What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos, and you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to these shows, which go up Monday through Friday, my written content for sportsethos.com, and you also get my threads, which go out pretty much every single day. I'm posting some kind of thread on Twitter. All of my fantasy baseball content can be found over there, so please do check out my account if you haven't already. Still sounding a little bit sick today. I do have COVID, so it is uh, in my throat at the moment, trying to get through the shows here. We got through it yesterday pretty well, uh, feeling a little bit more sore today, so I'm thinking we'll still go for around the same amount of time. I thought we'd only get through maybe 20, 25 minutes yesterday. We ended up doing, I think, 35, so lasted a bit longer than I thought. Granted, it was taped over the course of like an hour or so between coughing uh, coughing spurts and sips of tea and whatnot, so... I'm sorry for the uh, for the gravelly voice that I have, but it's probably going to be like this for the next couple of days. Uh, still feeling not the greatest, but we're, we're good enough that we can give you guys a show today. Going to be looking back on some of yesterday's top performers. Going to be looking ahead to some of today's games, some matchups I'm taking, uh, keeping an eye on. We're also going to be taking a look at the waiver wire, some of the more added and dropped players. And last night I opened the floor to you guys on Twitter. I said... Any questions, any players you want to deep dive on, we will get through it today on the show. And you guys, I think there was about 10 questions that we got on Twitter, so thank you guys very much for that. I really appreciate it. We're going to get through all of those. First, we're going to start by looking back on some of yesterday's top performers. So Patrick Corbin, I think we have to start with Patrick Corbin. He hopped in his DeLorean, went back to the future, and pitched as though it was four or five years ago. Uh, He went eight innings. He had five hits, one earned run. He walked two and struck out 12. Far and away his best performance of the season. Not much debate over that one there. The previous season high for strikeouts was eight, and that was his also his previous best outing of the year was against Miami at the end of April. Other than that, we've seen really rough stuff out of Patrick Corbin. The ERA is still over six, the whip 1.7. Uh, the only thing that he kind of has going for him sometimes is the strikeouts, and even there it's very it's mediocre. Sometimes he goes above the average, and sometimes he goes and has two or three strikeouts. So this was a massive outlier for me. Yes, the Pirates are a, a, not a good offense, to put it to put it as kind as I can. This one is definitely falling into the outlier category. It's very interesting that he was still capable of this. I wouldn't even have thought him capable because he's pitched against a lot of bad teams this year and been roughed around. Baltimore's last time out was not terrible, but three earned runs over four innings. We saw, I mean, the good teams and the bad teams, everybody's beat up on him this year. San Francisco, Atlanta, Milwaukee. We've seen it from pretty much everywhere. Would not have thought him capable at this point anymore. I mean, a few years ago, uh, he wasn't one of the better pitchers ever, but he was definitely someone who had some fantasy relevance for quite a while there. Uh, If you're talking about the mid-2010s, late-2010s when he was with Arizona, he had a couple of seasons where it was low three ERA, uh, good strikeout numbers. That, that, that Patrick Corbin no longer exists, but it was it was weird to see last night for sure. I uh, didn't really watch much of this game, just uh, breezing around between games, and I saw a little bit of his performance. Again, a complete outlier, not any move that you need to make on your fantasy teams, but something that we're definitely going to be talking about today and a lot of people are going to be talking about today just because of how absurd it is. Uh, Luis Castillo... Uh, Probably a limited number of starts he has left in a Reds uniform. 
he's been making the most of it. I mean, you know, he's had a couple of rough outings this season, but overall, uh, he's been a lot better than we saw at the beginning of last year. He was very inconsistent until about June, maybe July of last year, and he still had a bit of shakiness, but overall, we've seen a very good version of Castillo with a 3.32 ERA. So yesterday, he was six innings, five hits, uh, three walks, which is a little bit of a concern, but he struck out 11, did get the victory. It was his second highest fantasy scoring game of the season. Now, I do expect him to get traded at the deadline. I'm not sure exactly who will be looking for him. There are a few teams that are interested in starters, I would imagine. I think that we're going to probably see the Blue Jays go out and look for a starting pitcher. I've heard his name mentioned alongside Blue Jays rumors, him as well as his teammate Tyler Molly. Blue Jays have had some trouble with uh, Jose Barrios, notably, and Yusei Kikuchi. They've been brutal, and they are going to be need to be replaced. Uh, well, uh, for sure, Kikuchi. Barrios, I mean, you, you've invested too much money in him at this point where he's going to have to stay in the rotation. There's nothing we can really do about that. Kikuchi, uh, I think it was a three-year, $36 million deal. I think we're in DFA territory, or we're seriously getting there. Uh, I, I thought after his nice couple of starts earlier in the season, I thought that eh, maybe, you know, we're going to see uh, – this was during the month of June – or sorry, the month of May when he was really flourishing – thinking maybe Pete Walker worked his magic. Maybe we're going to see what happened with Robbie Ray, you know, a bit of a rough start to the season. Robbie Ray was like a drop at the beginning of last season, the first few starts. A lot of people, my buddy Nick, dropped him in our home league, and then he got picked up by somebody else. It does happen. The guy who picked him up, I believe, ended up winning the league or finalist in the league anyway. uh, We saw terrible, terrible Robbie Ray at the beginning of last year. Pete Walker worked with him, and by the end of it, you guys know how it ended. He was the Cy Young winner. You say Kikuchi, there will be no such miracles done by Pete Walker this season. Uh, at least I would, we'd need to see like a, a, one of the more dramatic turnarounds in the history of baseball. There will be no Cy Youngs for Kikuchi. Uh, I think that he's probably going to be, at the very least, put into some kind of long relief role in the bullpen. Probably going to bring in another starter around the trade deadline. We're looking at about a month now. And starts like this are only going to boost the price for Luis Castillo. I see him as being a decent fit in Toronto. If you're looking around the league at some other teams, I think the Dodgers might be interested just because the Dodgers have very deep pockets in a very deep minor league system. Uh, Walker Bueller out for probably at least most of the rest of the season. So I think that they'll be interested. There are a couple other teams who might look to add a starter. Always teams in contention you have to keep an eye on. So teams like the Astros, maybe. I mean, they already have a seriously strong starting rotation there, and they're probably going to get Lance McCullers back at some point. But if they ever wanted to upgrade, like Jose or Keedy would be the weakest link there. I think that there's not likely, but I think it's definitely possible. On the National League side, the Brewers definitely strike me as a possibility to acquire some pitching. And I think that it's a Casillo would be a decent fit over there. I know that they've just got Brandon Woodruff back. We'll talk about him in a second. He did very well last night but they're still dealing with the loss of Freddie Peralta and Aaron Ashby. They see themselves as contenders over there. I know that they're neck and neck right now with the Cardinals. I think they'll probably try and make some kind of move there at the deadline. And even the Cardinals. Cardinals don't have the strongest pitching staff. I mean, Michaelis has overperformed this year, and Wainwright's done well. Other than that, I mean, Dakota Hudson don't have a lot of faith in. Steven Matz has not been, in, uh, has not been active for quite some time now. They're probably going to be looking to add somebody, I would imagine. They only really have three proper starters that they can rely on over there. And Hudson, I think, is a massive overperformer to this point in the season. I don't know how much faith they're going to have in him. So I could see them going out and adding a Luis Castillo-type player or at least somebody who will be moved at the deadline, like a Frankie Montes. I could see a lot of those, those teams I just mentioned are the most likely, I think, 
uh, destinations around this trade deadline. I think those will be the teams that we see actively pursuing starting pitching. Now, we'll go to Brandon Woodruff for a second. Maya culpa here, guys. This I was not expecting this. I said uh, he should probably be left on benches. That's what I was saying about Brandon Woodruff yesterday. was not expecting him to go very deep, and he didn't go particularly deep. He only went five innings, 76 pitches, but he struck out 10, only gave up one earned run. Did get the victory, a 5-3 win over Tampa. Very good signs for Brandon Woodruff. A lot of swings and misses. He's Maybe we need to give him one more start until we say he's back to Brandon Woodruff because it certainly looked like he was, but he's been very shaky this season. He has had some good starts mixed in with some bad starts. I want to give him one more start before I'm fully ready to say uh, he's he's fully okay again, but this was definitely a great outing for him. Ten strikeouts on only five innings. Only 76 pitches. If it was different time of year, if he wasn't just coming off the injured list, for sure he would have gone back out for the sixth inning. But what you got out of him last night was a really good version. Uh, Robbie Ray. We'll talk about Robbie Ray for a second. He seems to have really fixed himself these last four starts. He's gone at least six innings in all of them. He has not given up more than one run or four hits in any of the starts. Now, the walks have been still somewhat of an issue this season. He walked three of them yesterday. But he struck out eight over seven innings, 98 pitches. Got the ERA down to 3.78, and he's definitely definitely making fantasy managers feel better about drafting him. I know that he was being probably taken a little bit too high this season. He was going, I believe, somewhere in the third or fourth round. I think in the fourth round of standard league, somewhere around pick 35 to 50 in that range, depending on your format and whatnot. Probably an overpay for sure, but that's what happens when someone wins the Cy Young. We'll see where Martin Perez gets drafted next year if he doesn't fall off a cliff. We'll see what kind of overpay we'll get for guys who are overperforming this year. But Robbie Ray was definitely one of those overperformers from last year. But he has now corrected, well, maybe not fully, but he is definitely back to more of the Robbie Ray that we saw with the Blue Jays. Uh, the strikeout numbers have gone back up. They weren't terrible, but there were some starts earlier in the year, and even recently we're, we're looking at three, four, uh, five strikeouts, which is really not what he does. He is one of the highest strikeout per nine guys in history. Uh, he was actually, for a time last year, I'm not sure if he still is, but he was the highest ever strikeout per nine in the history of baseball. It was like 13 points something, 14 points something. I think it was like 13.7 or something per nine innings. And that was the highest, from what I remember, it was the highest strikeout per nine innings ever. And you would not have expected that from Robbie Ray, but that's just how good he was last season. We overpaid a little bit for him this year. I personally don't have any shares because I tried to stay away from him. But if you do have him, uh, you you may have overpaid, but he is starting to make you feel a bit better about that these last few times out. John Gray. We'll move on to John Gray. He continues to be very good. Very strong starts in each of his last five or six of them. There was one bad start against Cleveland mixed in there. But every other time he's taken the hill recently since the beginning of June, he has been dominant, scoring at least 22 fantasy points on Yahoo in every single game. Talking about standard scoring there. Last night, he went seven innings, gave up five hits, one earned run, two walks, and he struck out eight. Only 94 pitches. You could have maybe argued one more could have been gotten out of him. I like the move that they pulled him there. Very, very wise. Uh, we did see one pitcher go a little bit too long yesterday, who we will talk about in a few minutes. I like John Gray. I like him more so as a streamer and as a deeper league guy, I know that people are starting to add him a lot now. Uh, he was rostered last week in about 50% of leagues. Now we are seeing that number at, I believe, 57. So, yeah, we have seen a lot more people take the chance on him. I don't think that he's going to be too valuable. I do like him based on matchups. Uh, but I don't think that he's going to have a ton of success moving forward. You look at his opponents these last couple of weeks. 
He's done very well, but we have to also factor in he's faced Kansas City, Detroit, uh, the White Sox. He faced Philadelphia, and that one wasn't quite as good of a start. I uh, did very well against uh, Tampa Bay. He's beating up on teams who have not been so strong offensively this season, and I think that needs to be factored in. It's not just, uh, oh, John Gray is a must-add. Absolutely. No, I think he is more of a streamer and a deep league guy. Framber Valdez will continue our pitching uh, analyses here. He is still, I think, one of the most underrated pitchers in all of baseball. He went eight innings, gave up six hits, walked two, and struck out five. No earned runs while grabbing the victory against the Mets. Definitely going in there, you might have been a little bit hesitant to start him just because of how strong the Mets have been. He's given up three earned runs in the previous couple of outings before this one. But we saw as good as we could see last night from Framber Valdez. I, like I said, I think he is one of the more undervalued pitchers in all of baseball. He's a top 100 talent rest of season right now, currently ranked 58th. I think that that honestly probably is about where you're going to find him. He's going to win a lot of games pitching for Houston. Decent strikeouts, not massive, but decent enough strikeouts that he can play. 265 ERA for the year, 1.12 whip. Like I said, 58th ranked player on the season. I think he's really undervalued. I think Framber Valdez is a is always someone that you can buy cheaper than what he is worth because it's just, like I said, people just don't, for whatever reason, think of him in that same elite pitcher category as some other guys who are in that same range. And maybe he's not, but he does produce like he is. He wins a lot of games for Houston, always striking out at least five batters. I, I like him. He goes deep into ball games, a durable pitcher. I like him a lot. Let's talk about a couple more pitchers, and then we will move into the batters from yesterday. So Zach Wheeler had himself an okay evening, six and a third, five hits, three earned runs, struck out eight. I say only okay because he's, you know, he's raised the bar a little bit this season. I mean, last year I think he was second in Cy Young voting, but that's kind of where the bar is, right around that range. Coming into play with, I believe, a 275 ERA, and now it's up to 289, not a big deal, but definitely not the greatest of outings for him there in the loss to Atlanta. Jose Quintana also had himself a very nice outing, six innings, four hits, one earned run, two walks, and six strikeouts. It was his highest scoring fantasy game going back to the middle of May, and I still think that he is more of a streamer, beating up on a bad team kind of thing. It was Washington. I like him fine, but I do see him as being uh, more of a streaming option. Let's talk about one more pitcher, and then we'll move on to some of the top performing position players from yesterday. So Keegan Thompson, he was my streamer of the day for yesterday. He went six in the third, gave up eight hits, four earned runs, and eight strikeouts. Now through six innings, he had only given up, I believe, two hits, struck out eight. It was looking really good for him. I knew he was going to go back out because the pitch count, I think, was at 71 through six innings. And you figure, you know, you could probably get another inning out of them when they're only at 71 pitches. I understand why they did it. It kind of sucks because that ruined the line a little bit. Ruined, Not ruined, but definitely didn't help your ERA, him going out for one more inning there. I love what he's been able to do strikeout-wise these last three outings, eight, seven, and nine strikeouts respectively. He's always going out there and throwing competitive ball games, throwing competitive pitches. Strikeout numbers before that hadn't really been great, and before this last stretch of three games, he'd only struck out. Uh, the season high was five. Now, like I said, we've seen 24 over these last three games. Really good stuff from him. I still think that he is someone who's undervalued in fantasy circles, and he can be an ad if you're looking for a bit of starting pitching help. Let's now talk about some of the top-performing position players from yesterday, and then I will get to your questions. So Marcus Semien, uh, he scored 31.5 fantasy points on Yahoo. He went 3-for-4. He was a triple shy of the cycle, scored three times, uh, drove in four runs. He has really turned himself around over the last month, 
Marcus Simeon is, I believe, a top 20 fantasy player. He is the 16th ranked player over the last month. Seven homers, 15 RBIs, six steals. He's not going to be what he was last year, which was like a top 10 fantasy player, but he is going to be certainly a very valuable asset. The steal number, he's going to surpass what he did last season. He only had 15 last season. I mean, only. It's still very valuable for fantasy purposes. But his 15 is already 12 so far this season, and we're looking at less than half of the at-bats. Probably see him end up with close to 25 steals, I would imagine, the way he's turned it on this last month. He has six over the last month. I would, I think 25 is a decent target. Now the 45 home runs from last year, obviously not going to be coming. But I said it in one of my first articles that I wrote for Sports Ethos that a lot of people were giving up on Semi and they were selling him for heaps of trash for literally nothing just so they could say I got something out of Marcus Simeon when it was pretty clear that he was better than the 175 hitter or whatever he was to start the year in Texas. We saw almost the same exact thing with Trevor Story. They were both looking like guys that you were just trying to sell on and get whatever you can back. But now they have both started performing the way that we have expected them. I hope you guys didn't sell low on them. I'm thinking most people probably just kept them and didn't worry about trying to move on and get any kind of value there because there wasn't much. You were certainly taking a loss if you sold them at the beginning of the year. Hoping that you guys uh, stay, stayed put there on both Story and Simeon. Let's talk about a couple of Houston Astros here. Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez. So Tucker went one for three. He homered, scored three times, knocked in three runs. He had a walk and a stolen base as well. Another player we were a little worried on to start the season, but we were it was pretty clear that he was going to turn it around, Kyle Tucker. Looking like a 30-30 season is definitely in the cards for him with 15 steals or 15 homers and 14 steals to this point. You'd like the batting average to be a little bit higher for him, and I think it will be as time goes on. He's at 255. But uh, love Kyle Tucker. He's done a great job there in Houston. Jordan Alvarez is someone who we don't really even need to discuss because he's discussed so often, but he went three for three. He had a couple of walks. He homered, scored a couple of times. 321 batting average, 23 homers, 56 RBIs. He is going to creep his way into the American League MVP conversation, I think. That would be what I expect. It'll be a three-headed race between Otani, Judge, and Alvarez. Jose Ramirez will probably stick around for a little while, and who knows what happens with Vladimir Guerrero. He started to turn it on this last month. He's been very Vladdy-esque recently. So he's definitely someone who can pop into the discussion. But Jordan Alvarez has been unreal this last month. The only player who could make a claim for being as hot as him is Alejandro Kirk. Uh, They're number one and number two over this last month for sure. Uh, Luis Urias, we'll talk about him very briefly because I know a lot of people like him. I don't see the need to roster him in a lot of cases. I think he's kind of over-rostered. He hit a home run yesterday. He went two for four. Uh, I know a lot of people are big on him. I am not really one of those people. I think that there are a lot of better options. He's currently rostered in 36% of leagues, which isn't terrible. It's definitely gone down. But people, I think, are still expecting to see 23 home runs like we saw last year. Not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. He's only at seven. And that was where a lot of his value came from with the low batting average, low pretty much everything. He had decent RBIs. But Luis Urias, I think, as a whole, is someone that we can move on from as a fantasy community. Let's now get to your questions. I've made you guys wait long enough. We're going to be talking about all these questions that you guys put on my tweet from yesterday. Really appreciate all of you who do engage on Twitter. I know the engagement rates for baseball posts are not the highest. If you want to go for engagement rates, then you should be doing fantasy football because those posts get tons of likes and retweets and stuff. Baseball, not so much, but I do really appreciate you guys who who did put questions in here. I really appreciate that. So 
Going to start off with Britton Allen. He is a contributor at Triple Play Fantasy. He's a podcast host. I'm not sure if he if he does written content over there as well, but he does certainly does podcasting because I saw him do a show with our friend Michael Govier uh, fairly recently, and of course, a friend of Michael's is a friend of ours. So let's talk about Britton's question here. He says, what do you think about outfielder Nick Gordon for the Twins with Trevor Larnick placed on the IL? So maybe he has an everyday playing time, or do you think Garlic or Celestino are going to platoon? Love to hear your thoughts, especially if they confirm my Gordon bias. So I like Gordon all right. He has a very low walk rate. Uh, The strikeouts are a little bit high for me. I think that the everyday role will come because he was already playing pretty much every single day, and he has had a bit of a hot streak here over this last couple of weeks. Uh, Specifically over the last week, he has a couple of home runs. He does have decent speed. He's shown us double-digit speed in the minors uh, a number of times. I'm not massive on him, to be honest with you. I think he's fine, but I don't think that he's someone who is really a priority add for me anyway. I just think there's a lot of better options. I know that he is eligible at short, at second, and in the outfield, which can be very valuable. That infield-outfield duo is something that I have grown to really love with players like Tommy Edmond. Specifically, Tommy Edmond this year has been someone who I have a lot of shares in who can bounce back and forth in the infield and the outfield. Great for plugging guys in. Brendan Donovan is another one recently who I've really become enamored with. Gordon, for me, I think he's a very deep league guy at the moment, and you can keep an eye on him for sure. Uh, And he did bat third yesterday, so there is some hope if he moves up the batting order with regular playing time. I could see him possibly having some value, but for right now, I'm going to say that he's probably just more of a deeper league guy. Uh, Thank you, Britton, for the question. Let's move on. Kenny Cruz asks, I have Rowdy and Muncy as first baseman and lost Rendon as the third base. That's brutal. Rendon. Terrible stuff with Rendon. Uh, A lot of times players leave teams and they're just never the same again. And that appears to be what happened for him with the Nationals. Uh, He added Alec Bohm early in the season. Alec Bohm was definitely great. He's still, I think, a fine enough player in deep enough leagues, but probably someone you can move on from at this point. Uh, he needs a batting boost. Who do you recommend trading for or getting for first and third? And he says, did I miss that I have sleepy Vladdy? So if you have Vladdy, you're not going to be so, so worried about first base. But we will go through the question still. We will look at some of the top available first baseman and third baseman. Juan Yepes is someone who I talked about yesterday who I really like. He is eligible at both positions, and he is still available in a lot of leagues. For whatever reason, people still don't really like Juan Yepes, despite him being an overall contributor in a lot of categories. Everything that I talked about yesterday, he's a contributor everywhere except for stolen bases. Batting in a very strong lineup. Typically, he's in the middle of that lineup, batting five or six. He does bat seventh on occasion. But to this point, he's shown us good power with a solid 21 runs, 24 RBIs in his 159 at-bats. Nine home runs, 277 batting average, uh, very serviceable, eligible at first, third, and the outfield. So he is definitely the first one that I would be targeting there. Now, in terms of just first baseman here, Rowdy Telez is only 48% rostered, and I think that he is still undervalued, and he's got a lot of power. Yes, it is tough with first baseman when you're talking about who will have value because it's such a crowded position. Uh, A lot of players who are eligible at first put up numbers that would be valuable in another position, but just because they're at first base, it's kind of hard to squeeze them into your lineups there. So Rowdy Telez is certainly an option. Someone who I love and I think is one of the most undervalued players in baseball is Christian Walker. Uh, he is 50% rostered at this point. He has gone up a little bit. He has the worst BABIP in the majors, and I think he's honestly one of the worst BABIPs in the history of baseball. It's like really, really bad. Typically, 
Like if it's if it's a terrible season, I was looking at like the top ten worst seasons yesterday. I think the worst one we saw was like one ninety something, one some something around like the one nineties, around two hundred. And Walker, when I checked yesterday, with one eighty eight Babbitt, that is terrible. You have to expect that that will correct itself. The power numbers are there. He's already got nineteen home runs. We can definitely get a forty plus home run season out of Christian Walker with a little bit of Babbitt help. Some balls leaving the park, definitely in away games will. That more likely anyway with that home friendly or with that pitcher friendly park they play in at home in Arizona. I think with some help, with some luck, he can definitely be a 40 home run guy and can be a very viable add at that position. A couple other guys I'll run through here. Wilmer Flores is also eligible at first and third. He's someone who can be plugged in. I don't love him, but he has produced. Uh, he's been producing the whole year. He's got 38 runs, nine homers, 40 RBIs, granted with a fairly low 243 batting average. But in a time where averages aren't too high, 243 is not going to kill you. So I think that he's a decent option there. Talk about a couple of third basemen here really quickly. Santiago Espinal, if he is available. I know some people dropped him recently. And if you were watching Jay's games, probably not as much as I do, you guys, because I'm, I'm a Jay's fanatic. But he's gotten some terrible calls. We saw it in the White Sox series. He was getting some bullshit calls that were outside. They were being called for strikes. And a lot of people got fed up and dropped him. He was on a he's on a seven for fifty over the last couple of weeks. Not been very good. He's still someone who can produce. He showed us yesterday two for four with an RBI against the Red Sox. I like him a lot. If he's available, I would say Santiago is a strong add there. Kyle Farmer is also someone who can be a decent add. I don't think he's a terribly strong add, but he can give you a little bit of a boost with your batting average, hit you some home runs and some steals mixed in there. So those are the guys that I'm targeting. If I'm you. If I'm looking to move on from who you have, you did say that you had Rowdy in that tweet. I kind of breezed over that fact. But honestly, I think Rowdy is good enough that you could would be able to just hold on to him without really having to worry about it too much there. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mispronounce the name a couple of times. I think it's Ty, Ty DeGazin. I'm definitely I'm not really sure if I'm mispronouncing this, but you are from Ontario. I think you said you're from Waterloo. Really appreciate the Canadians hopping into the chat here. So you said, don't know if it's too late, but could you discuss what you'd give up for Tatis in a redraft head-to-head categories league? So Fernando Tatis, for me, has league winner written all over him when he comes back. Now, the timeline, I think, is still a little bit not certain. Uh, they said he's on track for late July, early August. I wouldn't give up too much for him. Uh, it really depends on your team needs. If you if you desperately need a shortstop and the Tatis owner is not so big on him, thinks that ah, he's not going to have too much value. I mean, this is a situation where it really helps to know your league mates. If you know the play, the people you're playing with and you can maybe discuss this with them versus if it's random people you're playing with who you met online, it's, it's a big difference. So if you can talk to the person who has tattoos and kind of gauge how they feel about him, what their interest level is, I think that he's a strong target to go for. But I think a lot of people who will try and trade for him are going to overpay for him because... First of all, I don't know that we're going to see it right away from Tatis. They're not going to bring him back until he's ready, so you'd expect him to produce fairly soon once he comes back. But I don't know that we're going to see it right immediately away. So it might honestly help when he comes back to give him a game or two and then try and trade for him. There's a couple of schools of thought. You could say, I don't want to even give him one game to produce and show how good he is. I'm going to try and trade for him beforehand. But he could come back and you know struggle for a few games and knock a few dollars off the price for him there. So... If I'm trading for Tatis, I'm probably going to be trading somebody who is around 100, 100th ranked player in that range. 
Uh, now, some people might think that's too high. Some people might think it's too low. I think there's a lot of uncertainty with Tatis. So if you there's a couple of players you can sell high on in a trade for Tatis, I would do it. So a couple of guys that I've mentioned in my article on the weekend, Ian Happ, John Birdie, Dansby Swanson. If you can sell high on those guys, in some, I don't think you'll be able to trade one for one for Tatis. That would be absurd. But if you can do some kind of combination of those guys, package up some underperform or some overperforming players, that would be what I would recommend. I wouldn't acquire at all costs or anything, but I would try and probably throw around a top 100 or so type player and another guy who is probably not that high ranked, but another valuable piece. You're probably going to need a couple of guys in that trade to add um, to acquire him. And I would be I'd be cautious about throwing anybody higher than around 90 to 100 ranked. Uh, I just he'll be great, but I, I'm a little bit nervous. He'll be missing almost all of the season. You're only going to get maybe two months out of him. It'll be valuable, but I wouldn't overpay for him for sure. Let's move on to Tyler's question here. What kind of return would you look to get for O'Neill Cruz in redraft category in a redraft categories league? So I, I wouldn't really be trying to trade O'Neill Cruz. I'm probably going to be holding on to him if you do have him. If you're trying to get rid of him, if you really want to get rid of him, you could probably get yourself another top hundred player for him. The hype around him is insane. People love him. He's just one of those guys who shines like he's going to be a star in baseball, and people like that. Strong arm. Uh, he is very powerful. He showed us that with his home run. He can hit the ball yard, no question. I like him a lot this season. I, per I personally wouldn't be trying to trade him, but if you are going to trade him, you could probably get yourself back a top 100 player for him. So not someone who's one of those overperformers, like I mentioned, like a Swanson or like a John Birdie. Or, I would go for someone who is a little more consistent in their value Someone who is roughly inside the top 100 that's not hard and fast, and sometimes rankings are a little bit deceiving, and you get players who are lower ranked than they should be or higher ranked than they should be because of factors that aren't really up to them. Uh, if it's pitchers, then it might be wins. If it's hitters, it might be some batting average on balls and play luck, something like that. So if you are going to trade him, go for a top 100 type of player or someone in that range. Don't, like I said, I wouldn't be doing it. I'd probably just hold on and keep him because I'm assuming you just picked him up on the waiver wire and I would just bank that value. But if you're going to trade him, aim fairly high. That dude Tyree asks, what are your feelings on May and Soroka? Are they worth picking up now and stashing in redraft leagues? I'm hearing both return early August. So I think it might even be a little bit before August for Soroka. I think it'll be somewhere in July. May For May, I think you're correct there. It'll be August. I think they're both worth adding if you have IL slots, and in that case, you have nothing to lose. If you do have free uh, injured list slots or whatever it's called in your league, I uh, still, in my head, call it the disabled list. If you guys have those slots, then yes, go ahead and add them. Now, if you're going to be dropping someone who does produce for you at the moment and you need to take zeros there for them, I'm not going to be doing it just because pitchers do take a little bit of time once they come back to get stretched out. Probably not going to be seeing any kind of fantasy relevant value from either of them until at least like middle of August, like I like like you said, not like I said. So probably I'm going to be leaving them alone unless you do have just a free space on the injured reserve there. Uh, Melvin asked, M. Perez, M. Waka available. I'm assuming Martin Perez, Michael Waka, obviously keeper league in second. Hold Scooble or drop for one of these guys. That's a good question uh, because Scooble is definitely someone you should be holding on to in a keeper league. It really depends on how many keepers you have, but you figure you're probably going to keep Scooble. I know it's been rough for him these last couple of outings, but I mean, it really depends. If you have five keepers, then probably not. If you have like 10 keepers, I'm assuming you are keeping Scooble. Now, Martin Perez, I think he should be added just for this season. 
Uh, you, you said you're in second. He's someone, if he's just on the waiver wire, the way he's performed this season, he can be added and he can help give you a bit of a boost towards the championship this season. So he's not going to be a keeper, most likely, Martin Perez, but I think if he's just sitting there on the waiver wire, I would go and add him. However, I would not be dropping Scooble. There's got to be someone worse than Scooble on your roster, unless we're talking about like a six-team league here. There's got to be someone who is worse on your team than Scooble who can be added there. Renee asked, should I pick up Matt Chapman? Right now, Evan Longoria is my only third baseman. Head-to-head weekly points. Absolutely going to be adding uh, Matt Chapman there. He has underperformed this season, but the advanced metrics, the hard hit numbers, the barrel rates have all been there. And we've started to see the home runs come around over these last week or so, last couple of weeks. Uh, Longoria, for me, is past it. Not really so valuable fantasy-wise anymore. Uh, I would I would absolutely be making that swap there. Longoria... He's been not great. I mean, he's been fine over these last couple of weeks. He's Especially this week, he's been on a bit of a hot streak. But as a whole for the season, I don't see him as being more valuable than Matt Chapman. Got Bednar, uh, Reg, I think it's Reg, uh, Ullman, at Ullman Greg here, asked, got Bednar and Jansen injured. Any under-the-radar relief pitchers to add? Well, A.J. Minter is someone who's been added quite a bit today. I don't know if you have added him already or or what's going on in your league. He's up to 43% rostered. He got the save yesterday with Kenley Jansen being hurt. It'll probably be between him and Will Smith as the closers there. Not sure that one will get priority over the other, so it's, it probably will be some kind of a platoon. I'm saying it's if he's available, he's worth it. If you're really looking for relief pitching and he's available, uh, I would go ahead and add him. Now, there's not a lot of great save guys who are available on the waiver wire. Paul Sewell is someone who is less than 50% rostered. And he's been fantastic over these last couple of weeks. But over the last month, he's pitching to a 2.45 ERA, 2.6 on the season. Uh, he is someone who can be added to give you a bit of a boost there. A couple of other guys who I'm not as crazy about, Rafael Montero. He gets the odd save opportunity, but probably not too many with Presley. Uh, Lutrovino as well. He is someone who can be added. I think that will probably be more of a platoon over there in Oakland. But Lutrovino can be added, give you a little bit of a boost in that column. A uh, couple of questions now from Tony. I think we've got through all of them now, except for Tony's questions. We'll get to them right here. Thank all you, thanks all you guys for these questions. I really appreciate it. It adds more of a interactive element to the show. So Tony asks, and we are going to end up going quite a bit longer than I anticipated. I thought we'd only go for maybe 20, 25 minutes, but I, I'm feeling all right. The throat's feeling okay, so we're going to just keep on going here. Uh, so he asks, we're stashing Peralta, Lazardo, or Ashby. I have two spots available on injured list. Points League. Also, any pitcher streams you like after tomorrow? I mentioned Ashcraft. Oh, this is, this is the second question, actually. Um, if there are anyone else you think would be good. So the first question is, Graham Ashcraft, we're picking up for Thursday game against the Cubs. Just asking now before someone else grabs him. Uh, Dunning already taken. So, yes, uh, Graham Ashcraft, I would be adding for that game. Thursday is a bit of a, week ga- a weekday for streaming. There's not too many options that we have available here. Mitch White is a decent option. He gets the Padres at home. I think he's fine there, but if you're looking at all the options here, if Adrian Hauser is available, he gets the uh, the Pirates. I think that he's a decent option as well. My preferred one there is probably going to be Ashcraft, uh, but I would understand adding either him or Hauser. Uh, if we saw what Patrick Corbin did to the Pirates yesterday. They're really fairly pathetic offensively, so anybody who is going to have value you'd think going up against them i'm fine to add hauser and plug him in there the second half of your question uh peralta lazardo and ashby 
you have two spots that I'm keeping Peralta and Ashby. Lazardo, I've kind of given up on. Uh, he had a very promising couple of starts to begin the year. I think it was that first start he had 12 strikeouts. After that, we haven't really seen that impressive a version of him. So I'm going to be all right to move on from him there. Uh, Peralta and Ashby are the ones that I would be targeting there. So thank thank all you guys for these questions. Really appreciate everybody interacting uh, with the show here. It's leads you guys. Uh, first of all, I like to convert people who follow on Twitter to show listeners. So that's one way that we are going to go about doing it. Answering your questions here, we'll do it maybe once a week. We'll open up the mailbag and we'll devote part of the show to it. I think that that's a good way of keeping you guys involved and making sure that you guys are tuning in because I do want you guys to be checking out the show as much as possible. Let's talk about a couple of today's starting pitching matchups and then we will briefly go into the waiver wire. So there's not really anybody that is too great to be adding for today outside of Dane Dunning and Chris Flexen. I already mentioned Dunning before. Uh, Flexen gets the Orioles and Dunning gets the Royals. Now, they're both fairly viable. I know someone pointed out to me on Twitter yesterday that Dunning struggles on the road. He does, but I like the matchup against the Royals regardless. He's had some bad luck on the road if you dig into the numbers. Going a little bit long here, so we're not going to dig too deep into Dunning, but he's facing a Royals team that is really not great. They're They're a pretty poor team. I'm not going to be too worried about him being able to perform here. And if I pull up their numbers against right-handed pitching, they rank bottom five in home runs and slugging, bottom 10 in average. Two of Dunning's last three starts have been very good. He had one run ball on Friday uh, against Washington over six innings. He's only about 10, 12% rostered. So I would go ahead and add Dunning if he is available. Uh, In terms of matchups that are really worth keeping an eye on today, there's only really the one, well, I guess you could say two, Pavetta and Alec Manoa should be a pretty decent uh, matchup in Toronto here. Still think Pavetta's overperformed a little bit, and we'll see him come back down to earth. Hopefully the Jays are able to rock him tonight. When we talk about the one that I'm really interested in, it's probably Justin Verlander and Taiwan Walker. So Walker mentioned him on a tw- in a tweet thread last week. Uh, he's been fantastic this season. He's turned it around. And now he did give up three earned runs in his last start over six innings. I thought he'd do a little bit better against Miami, but still very serviceable. His ERA for the season is 3.03, and this is about as good as we've ever seen Taiwan Walker. So it is a tough matchup here against Houston, but I think I'm going to be starting. Justin Verlander made a bit of a fool of me last week. I said that he should be sat for his matchup against the Yankees, and it was a very low strikeout game, but he did give you seven innings, uh, four hits, one earned run. Gave up a home run, but that was it for the damage there. Starting both of these guys tonight, I think that it's, like I said, a tough matchup for both teams, very good offenses, but I would be fine to start both of these guys Going to be keeping an eye on Verlander because I do think that we will see some more decline as the season goes on. We've seen the strikeout numbers go down these last couple of outings. He's only had three, three, and five after earlier in the season hitting 12, eight a couple of times. We've seen him, I think, regresses maybe as too strong of a word, and he's 222 ERA. So it, I, it sounds pretty stupid to say that. But I don't think that he is as good as he once was. I, I'm interested in watching this game, but I think for a fantasy point of view, uh, both of these guys are going to be starts for me. Definitely starting to feel a bit of soreness in the throat here. So we will quickly go through some of the more added and dropped players today. And then I'll let you guys go. So AJ Minter, we already mentioned, he's been added quite a bit. He's up to 44% rostered. He was only 29% rostered yesterday. He got the save and the saves, the save monsters came out and added him. He's pitching to a 164 ERA, a .79 whip on the season. Four wins uh, has contributed to his value as well, which is more luck than anything else. Wins are just happen to be in the game at the right time, especially for relief pitching. It's more luck than anything. You see with Adam Simber having seven wins. So 
that's contributed to his value, but he's also done a very good job with striking batters out and keeping guys off of base. While Kenley Jansen is out, he's a fine replacement. But at the same time, you have to remember Will Smith will be getting the odd opportunity there. So I'm not saying he's a must-roster player. He probably is for for the time being, anyway. But I wouldn't be expecting him to have long-term value like this. He's overperformed to this point on the season. 164 ERA, it's very rare to see that from anybody. 0.79 whip is just as rare. Don't expect those numbers to continue like they have, but while he is in this semi-closer role, he's a fine short-term uh, player to add. Will Smith has also been added quite a bit. He's up to 46% rostered. Both of them, like I said, they're going to platoon, so you have to kind of just roll the dice and pick one of them. You can pick both of them, I guess, if you want, but it's it's not a great use of roster space. I would probably, if I had to lean one, I'd pick up Minter because he has been better to this point on the season. But a lot of that does come, a lot of his value has come from those wins fantasy-wise. So yes, he's an ad, but don't expect it to last too long. Paolo Espino has been added quite a bit, and I think part of the reason for that, I mean, he has had a couple of decent outings in a row, but he's also getting the Pirates that Patrick Corbin walked all over yesterday. So part of the reason people are adding him, I think, is because of that. They're expecting some kind of repeat performance. He's been pretty all right this season with the 221 ERA. 30 strikeouts and 40 innings is all right. Not great. Definitely would like to see it a little bit higher. He's an okay option. I wouldn't be running to the wire to grab him after the Pirates got embarrassed yesterday. I, you might see a little bit more of an effort from him today. So that's just something I'd keep in the back of my mind. Vinny P, Vinny Pasquantino is still being added quite a bit. He went 0 for 4 in his Major League debut. He's still an ad, like I said, in 12-team plus size leagues. I think that he would be a strong candidate at first base or in a utility slot there. Alex Wood, he's also been added quite a bit now. He's come to the point where he's more of a streamer than a must-roster player for a lot of people. He still had a lot of bad luck to this point in the season, 5.05 ERA. A lot of that is because of the BABIP troubles. His BABIP has been over 350 the entire season. I would expect there to be a correction in the second half. He's a strong add if he's available. He gets the Tigers today, so that's even more reason to go out and add him. Isaac Paredes is still being added. Still don't buy it. I think, yeah, if you have a streaming spot in your lineup and you want to rotate him in there, that's fine but I wouldn't be too interested in it uh, for the long term. Chris Flexen, we already mentioned, he's been added quite a bit. I think that he's a fine stream today against the Orioles. One of the better ones available, actually. I think he's decently, uh, should be added in a lot of cases. Let's talk about some of the drops. So J.P. Sears optioned to AAA after he had a fairly solid outing, five and two-thirds, got the win yesterday. Only one strikeout, but no earned runs. Uh, the whip for you was .71. It was a spot start, and he did a really good job. He'll probably have more of a look on the Major League roster later this season as a reliever, you'd imagine, but uh, for now, he can be sent back to waiver wires. Keegan Thompson has been dropped a lot. We've talked about him already today. I like him a lot more than the average person, I think, especially with these strikeout numbers starting to come around. 24 over his last three starts, going at least six innings in all of them. And if he wasn't left out too long yesterday, it would have been a much better outing. So for me, I'm keeping him. Over the last two weeks, he's a top 50 fantasy player. 18 and a third innings, 24 strikeouts, 245 ERA, and a .93 whip. I think he still has value in 12-team leagues and deeper. Emilio Pagan has been dropped quite a bit. He came in yesterday, I think, in the sixth or seventh inning and really shit the bed in the first half of that doubleheader. Uh, I could be wrong about the inning there, but he came in, let in a couple of runs. Juwan Duran is going to be the closer, I would imagine, going forward. Uh, Pagan has been dreadful over the last month. Uh, eight and a third innings pitched, 
He has two saves in that period, but 12 strikeouts, but a 9.72 ERA. Really has not gotten the job done. I would expect Duran to take over there. Carlos Carrasco, he's also been dropped quite a bit. He has had three of the last four outings really not go his way. Now, he has had some tough opponents in the ones that have not gone well, a couple in a row against Houston. I think he gets a pass for that. He did fairly well against Miami, and then the Angels beat up on him earlier in June. He has shown us some really good stuff. He had a 10-strikeout game against San Diego where he was great. Uh, he shut out the Nationals over five innings, which was, I mean, expected, but still very good. A couple of good starts against Washington this year, actually. I like Carrasco. I think that he's still valuable. If someone's dropped him in your league, 12-teamers plus, I would say that he is a strong add. Go out there and get him. Michael Waka has been dropped quite a bit. He went five innings yesterday against Toronto, only struck out two. And it was always going to come back down to earth with not great strikeout numbers this season. He's still probably someone you can roster, I'd say, in 15-team leagues. But if you're in a 12-team and shorter league, I'd move on. Ross Stripling is the last guy we will talk about today. And, you know, he's actually turned me into somewhat of a believer. Over the last month, 28 innings pitched, he has a 1.59 ERA, .85 whip, four victories, and he's the 23rd-ranked fantasy player. Don't look now, but he's inside the top 200 value on the season, which is kind of the benchmark. If you're inside the top 200, you're more or less rosterable in standard leagues. Now, season rankings can be deceiving sometimes. Sometimes you will, uh, someone will be ranked higher, like we've mentioned, because of a lot of wins, higher than they should be. Uh, these wins over this last month have come, and they're boosting the ranking, but he's also earned the wins. He's been very solid in his performances. Bit of a rough one against the Yankees earlier in June, but other than that, he's been very solid. I think that he can have back-end 12-team value. He gets the raise next time out, and they have not been great so far this season offensively. They're kind of hit or miss. They can, they can really explode, and they have a lot of talent, but for the most part, they have not been so impressive I think that he's a fine player to keep for that start, assuming that you already added him. Now, if you haven't already added him, I wouldn't be rushing to add him the day after a start. He's not that good, but I think he will have some streaming value as the season goes on. Guys, I thought I would go 20 minutes today. I thought we'd maybe go 20, 25 minutes, but I've just started talking, and in the times that I've taken pauses throughout this recording, uh, you can feel the throat start to tighten up a little bit, get very sore. So I'm going to go have some tea. I'm going to, well, first of all, we'll get this edited and posted and whatnot. We'll have some tea. And, guys, I mentioned it yesterday, but we're going to have Frank Amarante on the show. We're going to be recording that one later tonight. It'll come out tomorrow morning. Uh, if you guys don't know Frank, he puts out free MLB betting stuff every single day on Twitter. A lot of his plays have been very good recently. He is on a hot streak. He called the Trevor Story home run yesterday, which as a Toronto guy, uh, you know, you got you to gotta make some money here and there. But come on. Call a home run against uh, some some other team next time. No, not against our Blue Jays, Frank. We'll, we'll talk to Frank later about that. We'll talk to him about some other baseball stuff, some betting stuff. Got a lot of fun questions planned uh, to ask Frank. We're going to talk to him about some of the MVP betting stuff. We're going to talk to him about who he thinks, from a fantasy point of view, is more valuable between Josiah Gray and Hunter Green, what he expects from Vinny P., who he would take higher in redraft next season, Julio or Bobby Witt, and who he expects to be moved at the trade deadline. A bunch of questions we got for Frank. I hope you guys tune in. That'll be tomorrow morning. It'll be posted earlier than we typically do here because it'll be all set and ready tonight. So, guys, hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You guys smash follow over there. You guys ask me any questions you like. I'll answer them as quickly as I can. Usually I get back to you right away. I do have notifications turned on for Twitter. So if it's a sit-start, if it's a trade, if it's ad-drop, whatever it is, I'll try and get back to you guys as soon as I can. Not always going to be correct. Obviously, no one in this world is, but I'm an extra set of ears, an extra set of eyes 
to run through stuff with you. No problem there. You also get links to my shows, which go Monday through Friday. Typically, we go about half an hour. We've gone a little bit longer these last couple of days. And we're actually hitting up the 50-minute mark today. I haven't hit that mark in a show for quite some time. Try to be giving you guys a bit shorter content. I know that people have busy lives, so not all the time in the world to listen to fantasy baseball content. So we've kind of shortened the shows here over the last month or so. Today, we're going a little bit longer. I hope you guys appreciate that. Thank you to everybody who sent in questions over Twitter. I really do appreciate that. We're going to be probably be doing that once a week. Drive some of the interaction from Twitter over to the podcast side. Leave a five-star review if you like what you're hearing. I hope you guys have already done so. But if not, leave at least four stars. Can we get four stars out of you guys? I hope you guys are enjoying it. If you are, throw a positive review on there. It helps us grow, helps us to be seen by more people. And, you know, it'll just really make me happy. So, guys, thank you again for showing up. We'll see you tomorrow for our talk with Frank. Cheers, everybody.